You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 278th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in sunny Central Florida. Hey, this is Matt. So tired. Soul searching in Minneapolis. And wow. uh, this is Spencer. Uh, I don't. How do you how do you follow that, Spencer? I'm sorry, man. Sleepless in Seattle, except from in Boston. How's that? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not too bad. Beanie There's so Boston. much to discuss. We had Cyclocross National Championships. We have a bunch of kit reveals. We have some listener emails. Oh, so many, and, so many good emails. Yeah, so much good stuff. Yeah. Um, we also are going to have uh, a quick check-in with our works giveaway contest in the pre-lap. You do not want to miss that. We've had some great submissions from all of our listeners. But guys, let's get to the main story. And that is, you guys did a hell of a job without me last week. I was a little nervous. Yeah, thanks. So well, thanks. You know, I appreciate the kudos. It's uh, it's it's tough to do all the heavy lifting around here without, you know, mm. you around really calling the shots. But uh, I you... like to think we, we held our own okay. Yeah. Well, enough about you guys. Tim, were you nervous that we'd do a really good job and we wouldn't need you anymore? Or that we'd do a bad job? It's, I think, this is a, I think this is a situation where the lead-out man has become the sprinter now. <laughs> okay, oh, Mark Renshaw. Like, yeah, Renshaw winning. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, it was great to um, be over in Scotland. Got to listen to a lot of uh, um, great accents. Mm-hmm. Talking a lot about uh, cyclocross season. And they wanted to talk about USA Cyclocross and all of the fun stuff happening. So let's get right to the chase. And I think we need to lean it off with 15-time defending consecutive greatest cyclocross racer in U.S. history, arguably one of the greatest U.S. cyclists of all time. Definitely. Katie Compton uh, relinquishing her crown today mm-hmm. to Clara Hosinger. And Rebecca Faringer with a solid second place, and Katie Compton in third, out in Tacoma, Washington. Yeah, pretty crazy. So much to say here, but I do want to give a special shout out to Katie Compton for everything that she's done. And my favorite thing about Katie Compton is when she first came on the scene, and I know I've talked about it before, she was the pilot captain in the Paralympics. Mm-hmm. And so she had to keep her eligibility and all those, what was it, four or five years in the very beginning when she had to start back row at like the Mm -hmm. Providence Cyclocross National Championships and get through the entire field to win. And that just showed what we were on tap for 15 years of dominance. So great to see. Yeah. Um, It was a great race. Uh, We can get into that, but I'm just, I, you guys have no idea how far I just had to scroll through the Wikipedia page for U.S. Uh, Cyclocross National Champions to get to the previous win, the the only winner that I have known in my cycling fandom that wasn't Katie Compton. Oh my god! I'm yeah. trying to think who it is. Is it Allison Dunlap? 
It is Allison Dunlap. All right. That was a guess. Wow. Good guess. I wouldn't have guessed that right. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, back in uh, 2003. So that's how far back you have to go to find <sighs> a, a, a year in which Katie did not wear that jersey, which is just absolutely amazing. That so means every year I've ever watched Cyclocross, Katie has won. Which I'm a little worried that like my whole world's going to collapse now because that that's that's like that's 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 when I got into cycling. I've never not known. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Like well, what happens is now? Am I done? Now you're inside the matrix. Am I, am I done with the podcast <laughs> yeah. now, guys? Did I did my is my curse broken? Now it's it's rough for you and it's rough for me. I get that. Like it's probably rough for Tim too, but is it rough for Katie? Or is this a weight lifted off of the shoulders? How do you think she feels about this? I bet it's a little of both, right? Maybe a little bit of relief. I think that she's such a competitor that she wants to win on her terms. Yeah. And so what I do like about it is that she went down fighting because she oh, fell yeah. down into fourth place for a little while there. And she still fought to get third. She didn't give up. I mean, it's still on the podium. Oh, it's right? fantastic. Now, I do want to get into this. Spencer, you were on roller derby and you did put a considerable amount of money on Clara Housinger to win. I did. I have to admit, wow. I did not think it was going to be Clara that beat Katie Compton. I had always assumed that it was going to be Katie Keo. I always figured that that was going to be mm-hmm. now the if, victor. Yeah. If you were paying attention to cyclocross over the last uh, four or five years, that would be <laughs> the natural assumption. The, the, the idea that everyone had is that at some point, Katie is going to hand the torch over to younger Katie mm-hmm. and, uh, and Keo would be the new national champion. But if you were paying attention to cross in 2019, you might not think that would be the case because yeah. Claire Hansiger has been dominating uh us cross, except for the one time she went up head to head with Katie Compton in Boulder and, uh, and Katie won, but, it's been a pretty much one-woman show uh, here. If you take Magali Rochette out of the picture, um, Clara and Becca have been uh, head and shoulders above the rest, but Clara getting the better of Becca almost every time, uh, even though they finish within seconds of each other. So let's give um, a quick rundown. So congrats to Clara, who won, who, by the way, was seven years old when the Katie Compton <laughs> dominance started 15 years ago. Yeah, Courtney McFadden in fourth place, Katie Keogh in fifth, Sonny Gilbert and Sammy Reynolds rounding out the top seven. Shout out to friend of the podcast and Grodio super host, Amanda Nauman with a top 10 finish in ninth yeah. place. Great to see. Yeah. And 16th place was to Raylan Nuss. So great to, um, on the women's side of things. So overall, Guys, the thing that stuck out to me watching the course and the fantastic coverage on the USA Cycling YouTube channel was seeing that run-up. The the vertigo. I mean, I would have gotten vertigo going up that thing. That thing was yeah, muddy yeah. and just looked like hell. I did. They, they yeah, the run-ups looked pretty hard. There's a lot of climbing too, though, just in general. Yeah, I the, think there is a lot to a lot of uh, climbing to this course that you couldn't really tell from some of the drone shots, like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Like it might have looked kind of like a flat section or something, just muddy, but it was actually climbing. Uh, it looked like a brutal course. It was a great uh, venue, a great course, and I agree with you, Tim. The the production, the live feed was 
stellar, top notch, start to finish. Can I say what I really enjoyed was the three person booth. Like, so sometimes how it's just Tim Johnson and Brad Soner, and then we had Meredith Miller. It's like there's three people in the booth, and I thought they had great chemistry. So you still had Brad doing the main call, but then both Tim and Meredith were able to bring their expertise to both genders of racing rather than like one just for the women's race and then Tim just coming in for the men's. I really enjoyed that kind of mixture. Yeah. No, they do um, a great job. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's been getting better every year. And, uh, you know, the, dro- you can, the, you can, the drone was awesome. The drone was awesome. I, the I, other thing know. that was missing was, was the camera that, uh, Bill Sheikin has when he runs alongside. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my favorite yeah. thing is when Bill's, like you're like is Bill on an ATV right now? And it's like no, he's just running. <laughs> yeah, he just took no, two he's steps. He's eight feet tall and he's got those long legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so. like a giraffe. I know. I tried keeping up with him at the uh, Madison uh, World Cup, and it was impressive. So overall, the season is not over yet, naturally, but we do have a new women's champion. Yeah. And then in the men's race, you guys are going to have to take the lead here because I was at hockey and I came out. <laughs> expecting to see either Carrie Warner or Curtis White on the top step. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong. Yeah. Gage Hecht takes Gage the win, Hecht. 21 years old, with Stephen Hyde in third place, Curtis White in second. And then we want to give a special shout out to 16th place, Nick, Nico Lando. All right. Yeah, this yeah. this race was exciting, Tim. If you would have uh, had a few more minutes before you left for hockey, um, you would have seen Gage Hecht and uh, Carrie Warner off the front together, mm-hmm. and you would have been like, "Okay, I think Carrie's going to pull this out at some point. I gotta go." And you would have left <laughs> and come out and still been confused because Carrie did not finish anywhere near Gage Hecht in mm-hmm. the end uh, because of some spectacular antics that happened. Really. What happened? Yeah. Do I have to wait till I see the uh, cyclocross no. radio uh, recap or hear it? I mean, maybe might not. Uh, might not want to spoil it for you, but uh, let's just say some tape, uh, some course tape got bent. Uh, ah, some nice. Some uh, shenanigans were happening, and much drama was firing off across the internet. If uh, what was uh, within the rules and what was not, and what should possibly be. Oh, like, really? This is right in our wheelhouse. Tell me what happened. Should there be relegation to the back of the next group in the cyclocross race? Really? Okay. So was there any pushing? No, no, no. Okay. No physicality. Not, not on purpose. Did someone no. leave the course? Indeed. Did someone enter the course again? Indeed. Did they enter the course where they left the course? Not quite. <laughs> okay. Is that the issue? Uh, they also brought with them all the course tape. Um, <laughs> yes, and stretched like, it. This is American cyclocross at its finest. Yeah, it didn't exactly break uh, oh. upon re-entry, so it was stretched across halfway across the course, which essentially clotheslined Kerry Warner from second place into fifth place uh, oh, as wow. he picked himself up off the ground. And after he hit it, then it broke, and Gage Hecht was able to continue riding after exiting the course. Wait, was it Gage Heck that went off the course? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Was it a bad tape job? Is that what's to blame here? No, not at all. It was a bad uh, um, line choice uh, on that particular downhill that shot him uh, to his right through the course. Spectators <laughs> diving everywhere. It was. Wait, what did the spectators? Oh yeah, like people got out of the way. It was pretty impressive that nobody got uh, just clocked, but. Um, <laughs> 
was like one of the Rambo films, just bodies everywhere. Yeah, it was one of yeah, it was like a grenade, (laughs) exactly, like people flying. Um, But no, everybody was fine. It was a spectacular moment in the race, and it was pretty heartbreaking for Kerry because he avoided the the trajectory of Gage Hecht, um, but uh, could not avoid the clothesline from the tape, which took him out, took him to the ground. Gage Hecht never did hit the ground, and uh, we watched Hyde and Curtis ride by Kerry as he picked himself up. Was it as bad as when uh, Trayvon got just clotheslined (laughs) at the Kansas City cyclocross? Remember that on the off-camber? Nothing Nobody's, will ever be as bad as that. Yeah. I, I mean, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. That's yeah. the worst thing that's ever happened. Like bar none, like doesn't matter sport, cycling sport or, or other sport. That was the hardest hit I've seen anyone take. All right. Oh, wow. I did not know this. Uh, quick shout out to uh, Minnesota's owns Josh Bauer in 41st and Bjorn Sealander in 42nd. Thompson's in there too. Nice. 18. And Eric Thompson taking the crown for the upper Midwest with a 23rd Place Even though two of them don't live here anymore. Guys, can They're I get a ours. quick recap from you? At this point, does the cross heat check power rankings, do they just take the, does, does the algorithm just take the top 11 people from nationals? <laughs> right? Like, probably. I don't know, That's though. I mean, Bill, Bill's got a supercomputer working on this. It's a, it's yeah, a mainframe to me. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it needs a lot of numbers to crunch. A lot of punch cards, you know, like, like what yeah. kind of... The, punch the cards, a lot of tape. I'm pretty sure looking at this right now, Gage Hecht has got to be at the top step. Well, but, you know, well, what do you want? He the race certainly or wasn't the, in the top check? step uh, at, the, at the last uh, power rankings, which came out. Bill actually had some on the uh, USA Cycling feed. Which was pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Right yeah, I did see that. And then here's a question for you: Did Gage Sec, did Gage Heck have his Bart Simpson figurine on his bike? Yeah, that was my favorite thing I about think Gage. It was a was on thing on his bike. I couldn't actually ever tell from the feed if it was the Bart man or not. Maybe it was a Lisa today. I don't know, but it, he definitely had the little, the little it figurine. Was a, yeah. Okay. What and is what is the thing of that? Do you guys know why he does that? Other than it's just awesome. a funny thing Super to do to get cool, people to yeah. sit mentioned him regardless of result is it just so here's the thing Mm. if you think about it bart actually crossed the line first oh you're right the bart man won do the bart man so gage heck is young enough that he's only ever known bart simpson it's been a thing his whole life he never he wasn't there for the premiere so let's go through real quick just eric bruner and katie close take the men's and women's under 23 respectively. And then also Andrew Strohmeyer of Crosshairs radio team, our tent mate at Madison world cup takes the win and Madigan Monroe in the women's junior as well. Great to see. And for those wondering at home, the winning time in the women's elite race with a ruthless roller derby proposition, Clara, Hosinger came in at 50 minutes and 16 seconds. Let's give it up for the USA Cycling officials that gave them a full race time. It was amazing. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, bravo to them. Uh, so, gentlemen, there was a there, there was a lot of exciting racing that happened today, but there was some exciting racing that happened yesterday too. I don't know if you guys watched uh, the single speed races. <laughs> no, I did not. No. I did hear a little bit of controversy. 
about the single speed races. Well, I mean, about? I don't know. I think it makes sense in the uh, realm of the, the the lore of single speed. It all it all just kind of shakes out in the wash, and it's okay. But um, now let's talk about this controversy a little bit, Spencer. Okay. So zip zip ties are not allowed, but having a pit bike with different gearing, so you can come into the pit and swap out. How do you guys feel about that? As long as it's I, got one gear. Yeah, it's got fine. one gear. Who cares? If you're going to have pit against, bikes, why, why do you have to have the same gear? That's insane. I, I'm with you. I, I, I think that this is good strategy, but I would, like to see, good strategy. I would like to see a single speed race with no pit bikes. Like, like you're going to gonna run what you brung. Like, like, I don't care. I think so, anything, anything, anything below. Flip flap. Maybe up, let's allow it at the UCI. But like literally local races, USA Cycling should ban pit bikes. <laughs> well, Bill's on to something there. He started a controversy the other week about that. Um, I mean, it's like it's totally pointless at a local level. Come on, it's dumb. How long have you been on this trade, little guy? I think uh, like I episode know. five, two hundred and seventy-three episodes ago. Probably, you were and I actually thing. have I have a pit bike. I have two bikes, but like I still yeah, think it's they, stupid. There doesn't work though. Yeah, you kind of bring work. it there for spare parts. You bring it into the pit. You're like, whoa, Ooh. I guess I need to swap out the cranks. Yeah, I'm going to go swap out the cranks. No, right. I, for, I for real have a second bike, but I still I still feel I feel like a total ass putting it in the pit. I got to admit. So, so, Spencer, what happened in the single speed race? Well, we had uh, our podium of, uh, of Jake Wells, friend of the podcast, taking the yep. win. We had Anthony Clark taking second place friend of the pod. And mm-hmm. we had Ben Frederick, a uh, friend of the pod taking third place. Now that might sound like, Oh, okay. Nice podium and all, but yeah. uh, Jake is the defending champ. You know, makes sense. Anthony Clark started from f- the 15th row on the grid. <laughs> Are you serious? Wow. He was called up 102nd. So to finish second place, he passed 100 dudes. <laughs> wow. And not one of them threw an elbow. Well, Probably yeah. not. I don't know. Probably not. But well, hey, let's he, admit he it's a single speed race. Some of those guys started and then immediately stopped to like have a smoke or something. <laughs> like hit a one I mean, that let's is say quite maybe the performance. He, 50 of them he actually passed that were racing, right? Well, sure, but they're still in the way. And uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the Eventual winner, Jake, uh, was actually looking like he was in pretty big trouble there for a while. He was significantly gapped off from Ben Frederick, who ended up finishing third after a very curious mechanical issue in Mm. which he lost a cleat to his shoe. His shoe ripped in half, and the cleat was gone, and he could only pedal with one foot. Oh, how did that happen? For a shoe exchange. Did they Wait, have a spare he... shoe? Yeah. No. They had to find one. So the call went out on Twitter for a shoe from his Wait. pit mechanic. And uh, it got retweeted around. And I'm sure people on the ground were uh, were searching as well. They eventually found a shoe. Now, of course, it was a Zero Empire lace-up shoe. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Which is probably your slowest option. But that's okay because Ben was also wearing... <laughs> Jiro Empire lace-up shoe. So he had the world's slowest shoe change that you could possibly have while yeah. leading the race. So and, uh, why didn't he just finish his one foot, third, man? Which is very, very good. 
that, uh, that, Ben's that, a buddy of ours. Um, he was oh, over Spencer, the night before his flight out there, is, and it was, it was very fun to watch. Such a good story. Here's the question, though. I saw quite a few boa collapses just in the women's race alone. So I would think that the lace-ups would actually be the way to go, but I never thought about a lace-up shoe exchange. I mean, what a disaster. What do you guys yeah. think fails more, the boas or DI2s? Because I feel like every bike race I watch, somebody breaks Trick a Trick question, and, egg beaters. And so, oh, that's a good one, too. I did see, when I watched the race, I, I noticed, because you never see this in the Euro races, somebody threw the bike on the shoulder for the run-up, and I was like, whoa, look at that. Somebody, somebody yeah, has egg beaters still. <laughs> All right. That's that's a bold move. This is- this, was, this this run up was so steep that people had to go old school style and actually pick their bike up off the ground, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, it doesn't happen in American racing I, very often. We talked a little bit about the pit. I was reading um, on secret Twitter that there was a pit exchange in the women's race in Europe on Saturday, mm-hmm. where where uh, Carmen Alvarado's mechanic, yeah, like yes. slipped and tripped and fell on her bike. Yeah, on the new one. On yep. the new one. On the new one. <laughs> so yeah. the bike she was going to take. It totally bent the handlebars. Yeah, yeah. they were there. The stem was all tweaked. It was so muddy on that Saturday race that, yeah, even the mechanics couldn't stand up. If you watch the that women's race, that uh, she ended up winning, but it's like the highlights of that race are just the top few women like getting a gap and then eating it and then jumping up and the other one passed them and then that person falling down. It's just like back and forth, back and forth, nonstop. She still took the win, though. Still took the win. Yeah. Impressive. So. Yeah. Alvarado takes the win, and we're talking about the trophy Ronza Houghton Cross Dave Ave race. Yeah. And Anna Marie Worst in second, and Yara Castillan in third. But the bigger story, probably, is that Tuna Ertz takes the victory over Eli Ezerbeek. Mm-hmm. And in a distant third, the world is ending. Not only did Katie Compton lose, <laughs> Matthew well, Vanderpool gets third place. Yeah. What's it? How's it look down there, Matthew, down on the third step of the podium? I mean, I don't think we should say this guy's totally falling, considering he came back today at the uh, unpronounceable Vlamse-Druven cross and uh, got back to his winning ways of riding away pretty easily from everybody. And so, yeah, but that only had Thomas this, Pitcock in it. This was the first it time, had all though, the other guys too. since, like, 2016, maybe, when Wout used to just beat him up. Like, let him ride hard as long as he wanted and then just pip him and win somehow in the last lap. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen that dejected Vanderpool face. Yeah, but here's the thing. I think he just came back from a training camp. He looked a little tired. He always seems to come back a little tired from training camps because he probably trains harder than anybody. And I think it was Stephen Hyde on Twitter who was like, "Don't don't poke the bear or something, you know, like... You guys, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have beat up on him when he was tired and sleepy. Like he's gonna he's gonna win every race now by three four minutes for the rest of the year just to get back at you, and then he's gonna win all the spring classics. Like I feel like this happened last year. There was a race he won, but he like kind of you know like he comes back from the training camps and he's like a human for a day. I felt like today's win was like guaranteed. He wasn't gonna let anybody win. Oh today. sure. So there was a roller derby proposition on who was gonna finish second place at that race. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone just assumed that Matthew Vanderpool was going to win, obviously. So it was like, Eli, uh, take second place. And I was just assuming that it was Matthew Vanderpool that would yeah. get second. Like, oh, well, if he lost, you know, he'd get second. Yeah. yeah, third place. No. So you, there was something more exciting in that race, though, today. on Saturday. When no, this was today on Sunday. Was it today? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, today. 
What was the, the most exciting thing about cyclocross in Europe today, Logan? Uh, there was a sweet dog on the uh, finishing straight and then the climb right after the start that uh, got in the action, got into the top 10 for a while. Um, I got, the thing I got to say about this dog. With a leash. It. With a leash. This, it was a puppy, uh, maybe a lab of some kind, so very excitable uh, and fast. It kept that up for a while. Fast. The, like, I, course I, marshals I were trying to grab it and they and, just yeah. couldn't. I think Trying the thing with air quotes here. Oh yeah, but. no one was having luck. I think well one so it chases Vanderpoel and like Ezerbeat. Then it smartly and this is a, you know this dog's got a racing future because it can't hang eventually like there's too much power in that front group. But it stops, it looks around and it waits for the next group, jumps right on the wheels. Like that <laughs> that puppy made the smart move like it could have strung itself out there in the middle and tried to get back but it played it right, jumped in the next yeah. group. Yep. It uh, almost took out Michael Van Tornout, who came to a stop on the bottom of the hill. So that probably, he finished kind of far down. It definitely ticked him off. Um, I think Merlier reached down and tried to pet it, maybe, at some point. It's a crazy video. Maybe. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. It's it's pretty great. I So I didn't see where the dog got gridded on the start. I Actually, he wasn't in the camera frame until uh, hmm. the end of the lap, where he came through in fifth wheel. Um, which was a pretty good first lap for the dog. Um, and yeah, like little guy said, he, he, he must've seen like, oh man, I'm on Vanderpool's wheel. I don't want to blow up. I need to back off a little bit. And so he yeah. dropped back to that second group. And, Did we uh, get a post race interview with the dog and its manager? There was an interview with the dog. <laughs> the dog. It yeah. actually looked like it was some sort of police or security guard, uh, duo who had the dog it was like a german shepherdy looking lab dog and then they had it afterwards and were kind of laughing and joking with the spores of people about it and it was yeah. pretty great i mean the course is completely barricaded not nah, completely i still wonder how people lose handle of these dogs in these events well it's not completely I mean, barricaded there's definitely spots to get through and it looked like a puppy i'm all about dogs on the course but man Come on, yeah. You're all about You're not, dogs on the course? I don't yeah, know yeah. if I'm it's, all about it's it. Fun. It's it, fun. It's but fun, but it's, to watch. it's only okay. fun until somebody hits it and breaks their collarbone and, like, the dog breaks a leg or something, you know? As long as the dog's fine. Well, that's, okay. You, but you would have been fine, dog? like, Merlier, like, reaches down yeah. and gets his hand mauled off, and now there's no Belgian national road champion. Yeah, that dog was friendly. No, um, he was. That was a brave dog- move, though. The dog was a DNF in the end. I didn't see him on the results, but uh, it no. was. Uh, he got pulled. Not gonna, not gonna get any valuable UCI points uh, this time around. So we'll look for him next week. Well, overall, I think it was a great week of cyclocross racing. Once again, congrats to Katie Compton for the fantastic run for the last fifteen years of our fandom. I, the yeah. world is now ending, but we will continue on in the world of cyclocross and in USA and worldwide cycling. But with that, Spencer, let's get to our Michael Matthews update. Oh, great. I'm Anthony Clark, just hanging out, sliding into the Slow Ride podcast. Guys, last week... You did one hell of a contest with the Works Power Cleaner, <laughs> the Hydro Shot giveaway contest. And the best part was that 
all of the uh, entries. They had the gifts mm-hmm. of how happy someone would be when they won. And I saw some great ones. It was fantastic. Yeah. There's so many that are yeah. just leading in the clubhouse. Now it's a super easy contest. And from what I picked up from you guys, all you need to do is you need to tag works on Twitter. Yep. You need to tag the slow ride pod and you got to use the hashtag my clean bike and give us a gif of how happy you would be if you are selected as the winner of the works hydro shot power cleaner. Yep. A reaction gif. It's, it's yeah. all a rage with the millennials or whoever <laughs> the young kids are these days. Um, it's super easy to do. Even you old guys can do it. Masters racers, you can get in on this. Twitter on your on your phone. There's just a little gift button down at the bottom. Just click it. It pulls up a whole thing of gifts and just search for whatever you want. Make us laugh. Let us know which one is your best. Uh, what would be your reaction? Best describes your reaction to uh, winning a, a HydroShot power cleaner. Now, I know it's super easy to head over to yourcleanbike.com. And to save 15% using the code clean bike. And that not only do you save it on the power cleaner, you also save it on all the accessories. Super they affordable. To- yeah. They put together a special bike cleaning kit just for wide angle podium for this promotion that you can't just go buy anywhere, which is super, super cool. Um, that's how much they're into it. Uh, and we love it. If you would support those guys and check out uh, what they've got going on, yourcleanbike.com. use the promo code clean bike uh, to save yourself 15%. And if you want to enter the contest, you can enter multiple times. There's some great ones out there and we will be deciding right at the turn of the year. I also give a quick shout out to our two longtime sporting sponsors. We have bucklerskincare.com where you can get your very own miracle wap chamois cream. And you can go to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to get some Grimper Brothers coffee. So check it out. Yeah, two great ways to support the show, support the network, uh, and get a little something for yourself. The holidays are coming. It's probably too late. Actually, if you've waited this long to get your Grimper or your Buckler, you, you're you probably just getting this stuff for yourself. So that's okay. Yeah. Order is thinking that you've got the best of intentions to give it to someone that you care about, and that person is you. All right, let's get back to the show. <laughs> cool. uh, this is Stephen Hyde with Cannondale Cyclocrossworld.com, and you are listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Yeah? Guys, before we get into listener emails, I need to have a heart to heart. Look, I want you to uh, just turn off your microphone for a little bit. Actually, it's a heart heart with, with my tandem partner, Spencer, okay. for the Dirty I'll Kansas. Just, uh, I'll just Google pictures of Tim Merlier. So, Spencer, <laughs> I um, you know, it's the end of the year is coming. I wanted to see how I was doing on my Strava totals because I set some goals. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have goals. Yeah, so I set a lot of goals. So I, I'm over 3,000 miles for the year. Pretty pretty happy with it. Um. Uh, you on Strava only have 212 miles all year. That's about the distance of Dirty Kansas last year. I checked. <laughs> yeah, so perfect. <laughs> oh, you guys, I'm still here. Oh, well, thanks for you. joining us, little guy. I don't want you to think about this, but Spencer, it says the last ride you did was July 28th. Please tell me you are doing rides 
outside of Strava? <laughs> uh, yeah, I pretty much um, gave up on the Strava. Oh, uh, thank God. <laughs> I don't, I, it just was too much work. So. Too much work? <laughs> too much work? <laughs> well, work. I don't know if that's too I'm, much work. The training part might be a little difficult. Oh, the training is also too much work. Don't worry, don't worry about that. <laughs> All right, guys. We had several emails talking to us about the bikes. We had a couple come in, one from Marcus Dean. We also had another entry over at the uh, Slow Ride Podcast uh, official fan experience zone. The one of choice for me so far was a recumbent slash normal tandem, but it had a 24-inch front wheel. Okay. So that the captain in the front was actually sitting recumbent while the stoker in the back had all of the steering capabilities and more upright oh, view so that actually both of us would get the nice view of the Flint Hills of Emporia, Kansas, which we've heard from so many people to be fantastic, including no. we got a great oh. um, heads up from uh, Gary Owens, who was telling us all about the fun in the Emporia area. And this may okay. be the bike of choice. This bike sounds incredible. And not just because I am supposed to be in the front of the tandem and I would get the lazy boy recumbent treatment, um, allowing me to just, you know, get into the snack bag and just sort of do whatever as we're cruising along. Um, I actually, I, I really think that, uh, that view, like you need to, you need a much better view than you would get Tim, uh, for 200 miles. And I think this, uh, this bike solves a lot of those problems. Do you, do you really trust me with the steering though? No, not at all. <laughs> like, like think about like, I'm ready to sit in the stoker in the back. Cause I'm just going to close my eyes. So I, don't see you steering us straight into the grass fields for me to fall right. and crash onto. I can't imagine what it would be like if the Stoker had the steering capabilities on a half recumbent tandem up front. That would be insane. I love it. Yeah, I think it's in like a any cargo sort bike, of incident, yeah. I would definitely take the brunt of the impact. <laughs> yeah, that'd be some amazing backseat driving that would be happening literally on that setup it would be like a cargo bike little guy yeah you you're, you're basically training all the time like i think it's actually the perfect setup <laughs> because you you can literally <sighs> train for the handling in your with your current rig man and like spencer like by sitting around at home watching tv you're training for yeah. the, the setup as well well you sit in the front oh, and perfect. move your legs around and pretend to help tim Pedal. So yeah, I can be I can be on my phone looking at the map, <laughs> navigating. Just on the gram, and, uh, you know, just checking the gram, making sure uh, we've got our location t uh, tags going correctly, sponsor correct on the gram. Yeah. And um, I mean, that sounds great. And I mean, worst case scenario, if we can't find a suitable tandem for this race, we'll just bring Tim's cargo bike, and it'll be great because I'll just sit in the box. Yeah. So I referenced Gary's email. He said, the flint rocks that you will encounter in the DK will require your bike setup to focus on durability and robustness. There goes the soft bean. Yeah. I won't recommend any specific tire to use, but I would recommend they be new and as big as you could fit on your bike. I don't want to discourage Spencer and Tim. However, I'm a little afraid they're going to die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am also. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it talks a little bit about the course. Then he says, I don't know how much tandem experience Spencer and Tim have working together, but that Zero. is not the place to learn. The possibility of little guy's bike flying apart has crossed my mind, but I am sure he will choose the right rig to ride. 
No, no, no. This is this is what we're counting on, actually. Me and yeah. Tim. Like all we gotta do is limp across the line at that point. You As guys, hotel I got, I got plans. Mo- I got big plans. Oh, you do? Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Gary finishes up with as hotel and motel space is at a premium, I recommend staying at the Emporia State University dorms. This is very close to the start finish and a top rated cafeteria open at 3 a.m. so you can digest your breakfast before the 6 a.m. start. This starts uh, at 6 a.m.? 6 a.m. Spencer. Mm-hmm. You guys haven't told me this. In the dark, Spencer. This, this changes everything. It does. I'm a little worried. Yeah. I think um, everything about this also, is Also, I, I just had another thought about this race. Um, yeah. When is it? <laughs> I think it's June 1st. <laughs> I, th- I think it's in June. I literally, I, I know I can Google this, but I don't have any idea. Um, I mean, I'm trying to set up my training peaks program, so I need to count backwards from when the event is so mm-hmm. as my A race of the year. Um, so uh, when... When is it? We are we are almost T minus exactly six months away. We are yeah. we are six and a half ah, months. So right I got now. I got a while. We, we got plenty of time. I've got a second kid st- coming. I've got tons of time to get this to get us ready. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we got a fantastic email from Michael Brown. I'm gonna read this all the way to you guys. But greetings, I believe, and I have an alternate ride for Operation Code Crash. <laughs> like that's a good name for, for what we're called. Yeah. I'm the blind stoker on a tandem with my wife. Our combined weight is some way just north of 400 pounds, which is pretty close for where we are, Spencer. Yep. A few unique features of the bike that I believe make it a perfect assault on the DKR. It's a custom-built frame from Mike Pofall in Minnesota, with a frame that gives the captain a bit more standover room. The frame is steel, which gives you shock-absorbing qualities. Mm -hmm. And most of all, the bike has 26-inch wheels, which have been battle-tested on the rough roads of northern Wisconsin at events such as the Firehouse 50. Now, I realize that this may take away from Tim's picture-taking and magazine reading on the ride. However, it may Mm -hmm. help Spencer concentrate on the gnarly gravel, avoiding need to put your first aid skills to the test. I love this. Here's the best part, though. This bike is in Minnesota, and if your competition, Matt, isn't too afraid of being crushed by you guys, I'm sure I could get the bike to him, and it should easily fit in the van again. Let me know what you think. Happy cycling. The Blind peddler Mike Brown. P.S. I'd be happy to man your booth at Dirty Kansas, and I can't think of a more qualified person than a blind biker. Take care and let Spencer know that if I don't wave at him, it's simply because I didn't see him. From Mike Brown. Mike, you are the man. I'm yeah. pretty sure we're going to be taking you up on this because this bike, A, sounds amazing. I think 26-inch mountain bike, from what we heard from Gary Owen and others, that a mountain bike is the way to go. And non-soft ride. And it's a non-soft ride. As much as Davis yes. in uh, Huntsville, Alabama really wants us to ride that soft ride, I, with the kid coming, I will def- I, there's a good chance I'm over that 190-pound limit when it comes to race day. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> this, this sounds like our best option so far, and the soft ride can be our, our backup plan. Now, I have reached out to Mike... I'm going to hopefully call him in a little bit. I need to get some advice on how to be a stoker because I got to tell you, I'm quite nervous about this. <laughs> you just got to close your eyes, I think, for all 13, 14 hours of it. I, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe uh, th- th- I'm, a, I'm a little nervous, but 
It should be good. All right, let's uh, let's get on. We got a fantastic email here from Ben McIntosh, guys. I've been saving this one. I have a bicycle question at the intersection of engineering, aesthetics, and ethics. Not sure where to turn locally with such a weighty ma- matter. I immediately thought of you. I have long considered picking up some cheap tubular tires to train on. Ultimately, I decided against it, recognizing that if I'd flat one, I'd never get, I'd never get around to gluing another tire. However, I really like the look of a spare tubular strap to the saddle. Would it be wrong to train on clinchers, but to still strap a tubular <laughs> under my saddle? I think this could really class up my act. Would this, in essence, be a lie to all my fellow riders? And more importantly, how long do you think I could get away with this before being found out? Sincerely, Ben. Uh, this is yes. such an important question. Very important. And you uh, definitely came to the right place with this one. I I think, I, uh, man, I think you can get away with this for quite some time. <laughs> Well, you you get yeah. away with it until you actually had a flat in your clincher and then you pulled out the tube from your from your pocket. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. Um but this 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 is a Oh, you got to be so, so careful. Good. You got to be so so careful, right? Like there's there's so many loose ends that you can't let uh stay untied with this with a heist with a scheme of this high level, right? Like this is um this is like planning Ocean's Eleven type stuff here. I, um, I, so you're gonna need you're gonna need good looking clincher rims without the aluminum brake track on them. Uh, you're gonna want, I would suggest, uh, some tan sidewall road tires. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of have that tubular look to them. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just go for it. I'm like, all for this. I I love Ben's aesthetic here. Look, you you're you're against this? No, I'm totally against this. Why? I don't I don't like the I don't like the fakery. And uh, another reason, I I have a lot of tubulars, so I do go out on rides with tubulars and I hate carrying an extra tubular. As much as I but love it, riding on tubulars, it it never folds up properly. It is always either a little too big for the saddlebag or a little too big for the pocket. But think of all the time he's going to have to set this up. He's never going to have to use it. That's the beauty of this whole thing. Yeah. Once he gets it right, but the, here's here's part of the other problem. Once he's got that tubular nicely mounted, he he's wasting valuable space where he could actually have a tube. So now, rather than having his his pump or whatever in oh. his tube and his multi tool in a nice spot, he has to carry him on his back. So now he's got something on his back. Yeah, but it looks so damn good with the tubular. I am all about this, Spencer. You agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I think is... I am always in for a good scheme. <laughs> and this is up there among the highest level things that you can pull off. Now, I don't want I don't want him to go into this half cocked. Like he, he, you can't. You're just setting yourself up for a spectacular fa- failure if you're not prepared for this. Like this is a Mr. Miyagi situation. You need to paint the fence. You need to wax the car. You need to make sure that this that this scheme is dialed. Um, <laughs> this is so good. You're going to you're going to need to not get flats. So, you're going to have to find some Mr. Tuffy's tires. You're going to need to install those Mr. Tuffy strips in there. <laughs> I forgot about you, that. I've ran Mr. Tuffy's for how many years? Oh yeah. god. You may consider And this so, is dangerous. This is yeah. extremely dangerous. You may consider running tubeless road tires. Now, the, now this is going to be really hard to pull off. <laughs> But 
I'm thinking if you can find something that has a similar road tires and makes the tubular version of it, you're, you, you may be able to do this and then you can reinflate the tire with like a, uh, like a pit stop, a uh, little spray can thing that repairs tubulars, you know, a little air, mm-hmm. air and sealant, uh, dealy jobber. Yeah. will also fix your tubeless tire. Uh, so that is the way you could get around if you do get a flat, but you need to be so, so careful with this. So I'm thinking about all the group rides I've done in the last eight years here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thousands of miles. You can go to my Strava and figure it out. Spencer's only done 200 <laughs> miles last year. But anyways, thousands yeah. of miles. I think I've only seen one tubular tire strapped to the underside of a saddle. And it was fantastic. I was so stoked to see that. I was like, oh, yes, this guy's awesome. Mm-hmm. This does not A, happen enough, and B, it sticks out when you have it. Like People instantly are just going to, have another level of respect and there'd be a lot of newbies that would be like why do you have a tire underneath your saddle it's a natural conversation piece yeah that's true i guess i mean i literally have a pile of tubulars that are only how about you I send only, some to ben i only keep them <laughs> yeah you sound so dejected once you just well, send him, let's get his address well, i want I, I, I need these so when i actually go ride tubulars i have i have i have tires that are of no real use other than they would get me home you know what i mean like yeah they they wouldn't i wouldn't glue them up because they're too destroyed but they're like small enough and all these things i can throw them in and i can get home though the one no. time this year i flatted a tubular on a ride i did not grab a tubular to, to so, with me and I had to ride home on a flat tubular. So So little guy, would you prefer the shoulder carrying, like where you the old Tour de France timey, <laughs> like you make the, the figure eight of the tire and you put it around your shoulders? The big problem with wrapping it around your shoulders, Tim, is that you do have to take up smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get into some Canyon talk. We have two emails that have to do with Canyon real quick. We got another one from Brandon Conine. He says, hey, guys, your dreams have come true. We have finally can ride the Canyon Grail, a.k.a. the duplex, a.k.a. the double decker, a.k.a. the biplane on Zwift on the new virtual gravel roads. Oh, my God. I can't wait to feel the virtual floating suspension offered by those bars while riding my road bike with standard round bars in my basement. What a time to be alive. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. I did not know this was a thing, and I am going to fire up the old Zwift machine. The tandem is ready. Uh, We are back on track for Kansas all of a sudden because of the duplex available on Zwift, you guys. Oh, I'm a little worried. Spencer's already getting on Zwift this far out, six months out. But uh, little guy, I'm a little little concerned. Yeah, the, now I'm overtraining. Too crazy. Yeah, he's I, go there's no pleasing you. And I found the perfect bike from Joseph Crompton. Just needs the double handlebars based on the previous owner. Uh, it's hardly used, and you follow the link. And gentlemen, it is the team issue Canyon Ultimate CF SLX. Mm-hmm. Used by Carlos Bettenker. <gasps> now, it is for $8,600 Australian. Jeez. Okay. Australian. Now, I don't know if you know the currency exchange rate in Australia, but let's play a little game where we guess how much you would have to spend US. So, 
How much would you pay for a Carlos Betancur used bike? $8,600 Australian. Australian yeah. Has to be the approximate value of a 2008 Honda Fit oh. with about 115,000 miles on it. Do you know how much a Honda Fit with 115,000 miles is on it? N- no, I have no idea. So, um, so that's the commodity thinking, that you, like if you were at the bartering yeah. table, right, you're yeah. willing to get it's, a car for it. It's a little old, but it's got low miles for its age. It's a Honda Fit, man. I bet it's, All right. I think it's so a, that's I'm like thinking, a one-to-one conversion. That's straight. I'm thinking that <laughs> I'd be willing to trade Carlos Betancur for his bike, a all expenses paid trip to Hotel Domestique in Greenville, South Carolina for three nights and dinner <laughs> at whatever that restaurant is called that George Hincapie's at. What is it? Like stage 21 or whatever. I think. 17, and flights. So flights to Greenville, South Carolina, three nights stay at Hotel Domestique and three great nights of meals with, with Mr. George Hincapie himself. Mm. Okay. All right. What do you got, Logan? Okay. Uh, so their beers are bigger than our beers. That's true. So, what was the equivalent CV? Like three thousand twenty-four packs of Miller Lite or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, three thousand. That's yeah. uh, what is that? Seventy-two. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna do the math here. That's yeah. three thousand. <laughs> Miller Lite cases. Yeah, 24. Yeah, of 24, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Would that many Miller Lights fit inside of a 2,900 fit? Now, that is a question <laughs> that needs answering. I don't so, know. So That's a, be a 24 pack, little guy, 16.99 times 3,000. You're spending $50,000 on this stock. <laughs> Yeah, I think that works. Well. <laughs> That's a lot of Miller Lite. All right, guys, <laughs> I did the math. Right? Eighty-six hundred dollars Australian. Yeah, equals five thousand nine hundred U.S. Oh, that's that's a deal. I think that uh, Spencer may be the closest with the Honda Fit because I think that that's a little bit too much money for a hotel domestique. But uh, God, I think the fit fun stuff. Warmer, we can yeah. go get Carlos Betancur's bike. Carlos Betancur still unsigned. That's crazy. But as that's we a good price, wrap, you guys. As we get into the yeah, final yeah. lap of the Slow Ride podcast this week, I think we need to do a quick rundown of some of the jersey unveilings. Now, this is not our ranking. This is not the fantasy team jersey draft, but there are some that have come out. This week, we got the Astana kit, which is pretty much the same as last year with some new touches listing yeah, on the back upper spine their, their big ride victories. There's also at the team launch, there's a nice picture of a selfie of Finnikorov in front of the team. And a disappointing Russian national champion jersey, by the way. Okay. We also have the new Quick Step kit. I mean, the Castorama kit. God, I love it, you guys. I'm so happy. So much Castorama talk on the internet this week. It was joy. Just constantly people posting pictures of Finnyan. It was. The, Chef's there was a lot of Castrama talk. I love it. I I think they could have gone farther with it, though. I guess that my only disappointment is well, that they they should have just gone all in and just done the Castrama. That's the thing. Kit. Were you not offended by this Castrama talk uh, aligning this kit 
to something as glorious as the Costarama. Oh, certainly. I understand the uh, the allusion to it, but it is it is it's like a cover band version. It's not it's not the real deal. Yeah. It's this now, is like you, seeing Dark Star Orchestra rather than actually seeing the Dead Man. <laughs> this isn't the real deal. So you appreciate the hunger for something like Castorama, but uh, you, you do not buy into this being the new 2019, 2020 version I, of Castorama. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, but I got to say, for all the for all the the sh- that people give the Castorama kit, um, let's not forget that there's a lot of kits from that era that nobody can remember, and the Castorama kit gets referenced. Well, it's it's the old, all the time, it's like the Lamprey yeah. paradox, right? Well, if you if everyone you want, remembers the lamprey kit, yeah. But like, think of all like Castorama still exists. I mean, like all the like considerable constant press through the years, you know, for many various reasons. You know, all good, all good, all good press is good. You know, is press. You know? Yeah, so they're still in business, and largely because of the you know residuals from that cycling kit. Yeah, that's why they still exist. All right, uh, let's get into a couple of more. So let's get to the Red Lotto kit. New kit, kind of a striking change from the dot matrix of pass. Overall, I'm kind of into it. The Sudal Lotto and the Lotto Sudal kit for both the male and female teams, mm-hmm. alternating the top part of the jersey. What, what's your guys' overall feeling on this one? Spencer, you want to go? I, I a little, sure. little close to Trek. Well, see, now that's that's my impression as well. Well, let me back up. My initial impression was, oh, this kid is amazing. Best one in the Peloton. <laughs> yeah. My second reaction was, you know, this looks a lot like that Trek uh, Sigafredo <laughs> kit. And then my third reaction was, I think they saw that Trek Sigafredo kit and was like, that looks really good. Can we take it up a notch? Mm. And uh, and that's where they ended up. Can I just... So, I The one part I do like about this kit more than others, but yes, it looks just like the Trek. Trek still wins because for the color combo. I love well, the giant logos on the sleeves. Like the letters of Lotto taking the entire sleeve length. I yeah. like that. Yeah, Sometimes that the, sleeve, the sleeve kits are a little bit uh, too small. All right, moving well, into well. the final two. Probably the most disappointing for mine in that we were hoping so much. You guys were talking about it last week. Was the Israeli Cycling Academy kit. Yeah. What a disappointment. What an absolute disappointment. <laughs> disaster of a kit. Dis- I wouldn't say it's a disaster. What is this, the Finnish national champion kit? I mean, come on. Uh, I think it's fine. I think it, I think maybe me and Spencer maybe had our hopes a little too high last week on the pod. I think it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's just, I don't know. what it, They kind of have, they don't have, they have to stay with the blue and the white. I don't know why they got those big K's for kleptocracy on their arms well it's that's a little the, weird the katusha but, it's the katusha oh, t- oh it's for uh, katusha brand. i thought it was yeah. kleptocracy. so they had essentially a clean slate they had some like corporate colors they want to work in i get that but like more or less a completely blank slate to work with in this like we talked up last week little guy they they could have gone any sort of wild direction and uh this just, I don't even know that this is up to the current level of World Tour kit, you know, like, it was, <laughs> oh, I, don't it was, know that I was bad. just it very looks, deflated. It, it looks a little pro-continental, and then changing the name to Israeli, Israel Startup Nation. Mm-hmm. 
Like that's a little I mean, like oh, come on. What is this? Some venture capital fund? Like are we I mean, all hanging probably out? Probably is to, it? You know, probably like, is. I mean, is there office money, at yeah. a WeWork? <laughs> I mean, probably not for long. But, I'm a yeah. little, oh, just a little disappointed. Um, and let's go into the one you guys saved for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The gradient of all gradients. I got to give him credit. I got. I got to give. I got to give Brain McLaren. Um, horrible nation. Uh, I got to give him a lot of credit for coming up with this kit. Now it is the Mc. It is the McLaren livery colors. That orange. Yeah. But man, I do not like this kit. It is so bad. <laughs> this kit, the it's improvement. The thing that I that I do like about it is that they are the ones who brought the most radical change from 2019 kit to 2020 kit. It's amazing that, w- that Bahrain yeah. would 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 embrace change. <laughs> Zing. I was uh, I was hoping for this level of shift from several teams that could desperately use the help. And this so far is the only kit we've seen that's really gone out and done something radically different. I, as far as aesthetics, I guess it's better than the last one. Much better. But I don't know how I feel about it in general. I'm not a huge fan, but it's way better than the old kit. I really hated that kit. It is way better. Yeah. They still can't pay their riders, but you know. How are they it's not the paying their writers? They've like I don't know the, money. That's been I mean that's been driving me nuts. Like so, they've had trouble paying their writers, and didn't Katusha have trouble last year? How is it that the teams run by like oligarchs and dictators can't pay their bills? Like they should have the easiest way to just like to just got crazy rich dudes with money. Like just cut a check, man. So Spencer, with this kit, yeah, yeah, is it good for Cavendish to have such a bold, bright? easily to spot <laughs> kit or is this a um, disadvantage for him does it help in you any you know way? i think cavendish was at his best in the mid 2000s when he was brash and young and with the bright green uh oakley jawbreakers or whatever it was that he had um jawbones um and uh it could be a renaissance of sorts for him possibly uh, you know, get him in the right kind of headspace to uh, to really dominate the <laughs> sprinting scene. Uh, I don't know. Um, we'll have to let the let that answer play out on the roads of Australia in January. Uh, well, more kits will definitely be on the way. Hopefully, they will make us a little bit more excited. We, yeah, let's let's hold out hope. I mean, Mitchell and Scott, I think they're waiting until the last second to take in all the information from the other kits. Hopefully, now, UAE last, is doing the same. So, in the last week, we have seen some of the riders from our team that we created have been signed. Carlos Betancur is still out there. Yep, on the list of unsigned riders for 2020, and there was a. Depressing article written about Leopold Koenig, <laughs> one of the podcast's favorite writers, who has not raced in the entire last year, and his team manager said, I don't even know if he's still on the team. Well, Leopold, is that possible? we are ready for you. Your top 10 in the tour, please come to us. Do you, do you guys, Tim, did you believe that article? Like, Do teams actually function that, are teams that dysfunctional that they have a writer on their contract? Like under contract, and they don't 
know what's going on. don't even know where on. he is. It's like, amazing. how is that humanly possible? He's in the mountains. He's out in the mountains training. It's like Grizzly Adams. Is there a way I can just send some fake power files to these guys and get a contract and then just disappear and just bank that money? Because, <laughs> like, what what the hell? Well, that's why you got to enter that Swift competition. You get, yeah. get the old uh, uh, KitchenAid mixer to run it. So you yeah, can, uh, I do own two blenders. So, like, one on each crank uh, arm. Well, guys, it's been another fantastic week. Is there anything else you would like to uh, spot off to the listeners? I I wanted to say uh, that if some people saw Frank Birdo died, who wrote the coolest book ever, The Dancing Chain, all about the history of derailers. And oh, wow. uh, he also he used to write tech articles, I think, for Bicycling or something in like the 70s and 80s. He's a pretty cool nerd, uh, passed away a couple days ago. He also wrote a cool, came up with a cool like uh, quick reference chart for tire pressure, which is pretty amazing and nerdy as well. You should check it out. It is, um, I looked at it the other day and it does pretty closely uh, mirror my sort of general preferred what I've come to over 15 years of um, adjusting my own tire pressure. So I should have just looked at his chart. What uh, is your normal tire pressure, Loga? Well, I usually run in 32, so I'm running around like high 50s, 60 in the rear and like high 40s in the front. And which was just right what Berto told me. So, so on my daily rider, my daily driver, I'm always at 100 psi on 25s. Way too high, front and back. Way too high, Timmy. Yeah, that's too much. Google that Frank Berto tire pressure right. chart, and he's going to get you right. You punch in your weight, and you punch in your tire size, and he'll tell you what your optimal tire pressure is. And it's it's pretty killer. It's pretty nerdy. Dude is a genius. Um, I could I could invent an app that did the same thing. And what I would do is have you plug in your weight, plug in your riding style, all this stuff. Yeah. You know, and as long as you're on a road bike, the answer I would just pump out 90 psi every single time. <laughs> no, and no, no. It would be fine. It's you know we used to do this. Like Tim's obviously still in the zone, but like we should just everybody would look at your tires or you buy tires and you'd be like, oh, "This one only goes to 120. I'm going to buy this one that goes to 130." That. That's wrong. <laughs> it's so Don't wrong. We I wasted so much time banging around into things. Just everybody lower their tire pressure. But check out Frank Berto. He'll tell you. He'll tell you what to do. It's well, thanks to that. Right. Lots of nerdy goodness. Anything for you, Spencer? Um, no, I've just spent the last few minutes actually looking up 2009 Honda Fits and what their v- current value is. Um, kind of pricey. Uh, I've got a good one here. <laughs> Um, it was 79,000 miles All right. going for $4,900 on Edmunds.com. And turns out 8,600 Australian dollars is 5,900 us dollars. Yeah. So I would be saving some money by trading this Honda fit. And you could buy, what was the math again? A hundred 12 packs of uh Miller light. <laughs> Just pile that. on the back there. That there was a lot. I was giving I was giving away a lot of Miller Lite. Well, with that, the 278th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast has come to an end. I'd like to thank all of our listeners and members of the Wide Angle Podium Network. We'd like to thank all of our listeners who send in emails. Become a friend of the podcast by emailing us at the Slow Ride Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Slow Ride Pod. We'd like to thank Works for their continued support with the HydroShot Power Cleaner. Enter our contest by tagging at the Slow Ride Pod and Works Tools with hashtag MyCleanBike to win your very own and head to yourcleanbike.com 
with the passcode of CleanBike to save 15% on your purchase. And with that, this is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt, Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you'll see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Thank you.